chapter 14, finishing it. So if you'll just do that, it'll be easy for us to go through the Word of God. Now, you know, as you look back in March, it seems like it's been forever. Here we are. And yet, in another way, time just flies. As you look, we are now starting the second weekend in October of 2020. My wife and I talked about this this morning. I used it last night. There are 85 days until January 1st. 85 days. Now, you're pretty smart. Christmas is before that. Now, think about this. Woof! Now, what happens is this. Sometimes in life, we are going so fast with all these changes we've gone through since March that we've experienced. Sometimes we lose perspective about what is really important in life. So, this weekend, you guys in the balcony here, we are going to pause in your minds, just put it at a rest, and refocus on God's priority. What are God's priorities? And I'm going to give you just three, but you'll be, we'll be talking about those three over and over again as we go through. Now, here's the first key. Knowing and keeping God's priorities, not ours, we have to make him his, ours, is vital for our success as a Christ follower. All of you at home, it's vital for you as well. So when we look at the Bible from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the end, here are the three priorities that God highlights. There's more than that, but these are the three key ones. God, people, and the use of our time. Let's say it together. Come on. God, people, and the use of whose time? Our time. Now, when you see that, this comes, basically, the first two comes right from the verse that you see, Matthew 22. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That covers the spirit, that covers the emotional, and it covers our bodies. This is the first and greatest suggestion I like that new translation. Do you? No, because it's not. This is the first and the greatest what? Commandment. And the second is, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus isn't saying you need to love yourself. Oh, I'm so good. No, they're talking about we do put ourselves first often. We do love. Nothing wrong with it because God made us in his image. But I'm to treat other people as if I want to be treated as well. Now, so when you see these two, it's interesting. Back in the Old Testament, you know, we started with the Ten Commandments. And then all of a sudden, the Jewish rabbis decided they could do maybe a little better job. So the commandments moved into 613 commandments. How'd you like to come in today? And I'm going to do a series on 613 commandments. Some of you are going to say, when is it ending? I'll see you at the end of that. Now, here's what happened. Jesus took 613 and he put them, he rolled them into how many? Two. Can we take two better? 
Sure we can. That was Jesus. Love God and love people. Now, what does that look like? God, all people were created to know, worship, basically serve, and enjoy God. Every single person. Now, many don't, but that was always the goal from God. Second, people. Only two things are eternal in life. Only two things that are going to last forever. People and the Word of God. Everything else is going to pass away. All the stuff we think that's important, it's going to be gone. There's only two things. The Word of God will live forever. That's what the Bible says. And you and I will live forever in one of two locations. Forever. For eternity. When you talk about time, we can't even get that around our minds. We have no idea what that looks like. But we know it's true. So third thing is this. Time. The Bible encourages us to make the most of our time. Now look on the overhead. You see this hourglass. You know what an hourglass is. Take a look at that hourglass. How much sand do you have left? Does anybody know how much sand you have left? How much time you have left? No. That's why the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. See, time is valuable. So when you see that going through there, it's going through there right now, this morning, in your life, my life. I just told you, we're close to 21. Will we get into 21? I don't know what's going to happen. Now, look what the Bible says. God, teach us <clears throat> to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. In other words, you'll see this in a moment. I, I need to realize how quick life is going. I have to use my time wisely. Now, what does wisely mean? Well, you're going to see that this morning. It's very clear in the Scripture. Are you and I using, as that sand is coming down right now, are we using our time wisely? Now, what's that look like? Here it is. See each day as a gift from God. When you get up in the morning, this is a day the Lord has made. Let's gripe and complain about it. No, but it's hard because we all go through things in our lives. No, basically, every day is a gift from God. Set aside time for God and for other people. Now, Remember, the most valuable resource you have is not your 401k, it's not your money, it's not your home, it's not your office. The most valuable th resource we have is time. It's time. Now, we are going to do something unique today. We're going to learn from Paul and Barnabas how they stayed focused on these three priorities because they had been on a mission, a missionary mission, for one whole year. And we're going to watch how they put God first, how they cared for people that they mattered, believers or unbelievers, and how they used their time. See, they're a role model for us. It's good to have people be role models, just like us, and you're going to see that. Now, look at Acts chapter 14, if you will. Turn in your Bibles, you guys online. And Vieira and Sebastian, Acts chapter 14, go down to verse 24. After going through Pisidia, 
they came into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, remember, lots of people came to Christ there, they went back down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch. Now, take a look at this. This is where this missionary journey was. Now, look right up at this corner, Antioch, Seleucia. That's where one year before Paul and Barnabas were in that church. They had kind of established that church, and the Holy Spirit came and said to them, I'm sending you out of this church. I'm sending you on a journey. And they went to all of these places, and they did three things. They put God first. They cared enough about people to share the gospel with them. And number three, all of that, they used the time wisely. And we'll see that as we go through. So now they're back home in Antioch right there, Seleucia. Remember, there was a different Antioch, but that's where they are. They're back home. And they realize that the people that sent them out, the church and the Holy Spirit, they're back in God's will. And you'll see in a moment, they're back. They've completed everything God asked them to do for a year. Now, during that year, we saw Paul and Barnabas focusing on these priorities. They already knew this from the scripture. Now, I don't want you to copy any of this I'm going to show you. But I want you to think about it as yourself. Let me just give you an idea. Okay, I'm Mark. I'm looking at this. Number one, they used their time to share the gospel, and many people became Christ followers. Mark, do you use your time when God opens the door to share the gospel? And whether they come to Christ or not is not my point. It's God's point. But ask yourself right now, are you using your time from time to time to share the gospel? Well, Pastor Mark, that's not for me. That's for other people. Oh, sorry. The great commandment is to go into all the world. It's not the great commission. It's the great commandment. It's not a suggestion. I have to be. Now, why do we, we have all these people, over 800, become Christians? Because you invited them. You ask them to, come on, take a look. It's not about the church. It's about God's word. And we do that every week because we're commanded to do that. And you guys are telling people about Jesus Christ. So that's a good thing. All right, here's number two. Look at your own life. We're focusing. We're pausing. Here we are. They use their time to prove to the pagans that God is the only true living God. We learned a lot from Paul. Remember, he went into a place. The Gentiles worshipped idols. They worshipped Zeus, which there is no Zeus. What did Paul do? He didn't go to the gospel. He didn't go to the Bible. He went to creation. When you get up this morning, it was dark. You know what we do sometimes at home? Alexa, when's the sun coming up? And she said, about 8 o'clock. And there it came. You think she had to tell God to have the sun come up at 8 o'clock? Give me a break. You ever go out at night and you look up and go, what a world God made. Remember, if something has been created, there's always a creator. And that's God. So Paul said, I can't go to the Bible. They know nothing. All they know is Zeus. So what did he do? He used teaching to people who didn't know anything about God that look up. You were created. Look at your life. Look when you cut something. And not too bad. Boom. In three days, it's healed. How did that work? It's God. 
So see, when we witness to people, you kind of need to know sometimes, where's their background? We have more and more people around the world and in the United States that don't even believe in God. You know who they worship? Most of them here don't worship idols. They worship themselves. And so we present the gospel when that person would know a little bit about the Bible, but when they don't, then we do what? We talk about the creation of God. That's exactly what Paul did. So here's number three. They also use their time wisely to disciple these new believers, Jews and Gentiles. Again, there you see people, and there you see God. Now, and there you see time. Same thing. What we do in this, in this campus and all of our campuses, we're getting ready to even start it much more aggressively because of all the new believers. We're going to have all kinds of disciple groups that they can walk into, one-on-one discipleship, all kinds of things that are going to happen there. Now, when you see this, look at verse 23. I'll just read this to you. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So, Paul knew when he was in all those cities you just saw, there's no pastors. They're going to come back to their original church. Well, what are these new baby Christians going to do? There isn't anybody in there that knows anything. There is no Bible. You can't go online and look at a teaching. They know nothing. So God says, establish a church. Probably would have been home churches because there's no buildings at all until like 300 A.D. So what happened? They picked elders. God picked them. And they would disciple them some. We don't know how long they were in each city. They would disciple them. So when they leave, they just don't say, have a nice life. Bye. No, these elders knew that they needed to step forward. So take a look at this next one. Here it is. Paul and Barnabas used their time wisely to establish new churches and appointed elders to lead these new churches. See, that was God. When you and I are using your time, it should be organized, and God knows how to do that. That was not a waste of time. That was making sure the new believers would be discipled. Now, here's number five. Look at the whole missionary journey, and they were directed by God and obeyed God's will and used their time to expand the kingdom of God by keeping on mission. Ask yourself this morning simply this. Are you directed by God? Are you obeying God's will? Are you using your time for things that outlast it, which is people in heaven? See, we need to be using our time for things that are here. That's fine. That's perfect. But we also need to be using our time for things that are going to outlast this life. That hourglass for you and me, pretty soon, it's over. It's done. So I want to be wise about my time. Now, number one priority, I'll go through this very quickly because you've already heard it. Life is all about God. Say this with me here. Come on, on the count of three. Every campus, everybody watching, in the balcony, if you're down here, if you didn't have coffee, say it anyway. Here we go. No. God first. Come on, try it again. God first. All right, I want you to look up at to God right now. I want you where you're at. He's in the heavens. If you're looking down, you're in the wrong place. Look up. Look up to God and put your finger up and say this to God right now. God first. Am I right? See, that's the key. That's the primary 
of all these three, that's where everything starts. God first. That's the number one priority the Bible teaches from beginning to end. So everything in our lives should revolve around God. Let's just picture this as God. Everything I do should evolve around God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He's all-knowing and all-powerful. We're not. So I have to be dependent on him. I have to obey him and live for him. We're here to do his will, not my will. And that's exactly what you watched as, you, as we went through that whole chapter, 13 and 14. When you see that Paul and Barnabas knew it was the will of God. Even when they ran into difficult things, they stayed focused basically to expand the kingdom of God. Everywhere they went, it was about God, people, and how they used their time. They used it wisely. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why is God first really important? Well, look at this. Jesus said it like this. Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom... And his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Did that verse say, seek in fifth place the kingdom of God? No. Seek his kingdom what? First. First. What's first mean? Priority. Right to the top. It's not in the bottom. It's not in the middle. Right to the top. Now, if we learn this priority and put God first then what what Jesus is saying is things will go well. Trust God. But if other things take God's place, we're going to suffer the consequences. You remember last week we learned in Mark chapter 4 the danger of not putting God first in our life. We saw four different kinds of individuals, different hearts. And when we finished it, three of those people that proclaimed that they were believers, were not believers at all. All kinds of things took the place of God. You remember the one, the third one? They focused on worldly cares, wealthy pleasures, and the desires for everything else. And where did God go? Right to the bottom. There was no relationship with God. So see, we have to be careful. If you're here today watching and you, you're a believer. I'm not saying you're not a believer, but you need to be very careful. If your priority, God is way down the list, and your company's number one, uh, you're basically your uh, 401k when the retirements come. By the way, when the retirements come and the 401k, at some point, the time is going to run out anyway. You're not taking nothing to heaven. So we have to be very careful what the priority is in our life. So here's number two. Life is all about people. It's all about people. You remember how we used to do this in church? Love God and love people. How many remember that? With the hand signals, like we're in the kindergarten. It's good. Now, I'm going to ask you to do it this morning. Some of you, you can watch them. We're to love God and love people. So here we go. Love God. Come on. Love God. That's good. And now, remember, distancing. You can't kill the person next to you. You can just say, I'm hitting you. Here we Love God and what? Love people. Well, that's not complicated. If you watched Paul and Barnabas, they loved God. And man, they were touching lives by the thousands because they didn't care 
most, almost all of them were unbelievers. The Jews hated Jesus, but many came. The pagans didn't know a thing about him, and yet they were there. So the Bible teaches that every person matters to God. Lost people matter to God. All lost people. Now, you remember Jesus said, one sinner coming to repentance and celebration in heaven. One. Now, when we think about people, it's hard for us to understand this. I just looked it up the other day. How do you and I see people in our world? Do we see 7.6 billion people in our world like God sees them? No, not really. But we need to see him, see the people with his heart. You and I don't understand 7.6 billion. It makes no sense to us. But one person in our neighborhood, our family, at work. I want to see them like God sees them. All people matter to God. All people. So that's a primary thing that God has. Now, how do I know that's true? Remember the last command Jesus gave to his disciples? Go and make disciples. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas were doing. That's exactly what we do. They cared for lost people because they boldly shared the gospel to them when God opened the door. Now, many unbelievers need that teaching because, as you know, people you know, people I know, that you ask them, if you're going to go to heaven, absolutely I'm going to heaven. I'm a really good person, and I drop by church once in a while. I've even been water baptized. And uh, sometimes I even give to church. And so I go back and say, well, how are you really knowing? When you get there, what are you going to tell God? Well, I'm a good person. I'm sure you're going to let me in. No, that's totally false. I hate even thinking about that. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Think how many people around you, around me, have wrong doctrine. So many. So what's our chance? In a loving way, say to them, uh, that will not get you where you want to go. Now, when you see that, here's simply what the truth says. Jesus is the center of the gospel. Jesus is the attraction. Jesus is the only way to God. I learned this from my dad and a great evangelist pastor way back in the 50s. I heard this from my dad, that when you teach, always find a way to get Jesus into the sermon. Why? Because he's the center of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus is the attraction. Why? Because he's the only way to God. So you will always see me talking about Jesus because all the rest of it's powerful, but the end result is who? Jesus. And people don't know who that is. Basically, our world hates Jesus. Many people in our world love God, but they hate Jesus. You can see that in many governors and all this kind of stuff I told you before. You'll see it. They just hate Jesus. Why? Because they think they're the way. No, no, there's only one way. His name is Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. And we can't take that and put it at the bottom. No, that's right out front. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. Now, 
Let me read to you Matthew 16, 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul or spirit, however you want to put that? Is anything worth more than your soul or your spirit? Well, the Bible says, no, that's the most valuable thing you have because that your soul, your spirit, that's you, that's the real you, that's the real me, is going to last forever. It's priceless. You can't put a cost on that. And when we die, when that sand gets to the bottom of that glass, that amazing glass that you see there, what happens to you with this? When that hourglass, the sand is gone, we will, every single person in the world, basically, will die. And one of two destinations, you will be forever. It doesn't matter. You have to make a choice. Now, look at this. You know this by hand and by heart. You understand this very simply. Every person will either live forever in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. Now, where does Satan want you to land? Okay, you didn't know that one. Okay. Where, Satan doesn't want to be alone. So where does he want you to land? In hell with him. Where does God want you to land? How do you know that? It's his will that none perish. How many? None. But he never forces it. You have to make the decision. That's why the gospel has to be taught. See, this isn't something light today. This is about people. People you know. People I know. Relatives that I know aren't right with God. It's important. Now, the third Basic priority is this. Life is about using our time wisely. Paul later in his book to the Ephesians writes it like this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. What that means is making the most of our time. Because the days are evil. Could I hear an amen right there? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, notice this. God's will is connected to our time, how we use it. God's will is connected to how we use our time. Be wise. There, don't, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will. What is wisdom? Here it is. A wise person is living life, you guys at all of our campuses, with God's point of view, not our point of view. Up there, only God has the view. With God's values, that's the priorities. And in God's timing, and here's the big one. Wisdom is not just thinking about this life. That's why I have the hourglass there. When that hourglass is, the sand is all to the bottom, we're going to be in eternity in one or two places forever. So you have to, in the, our wisdom has to do also, I'm living with eternity in view. I know it's going to happen. It's going to be every person I'm talking to. There, there isn't 20 people that I'm talking to. There isn't one person that says, well, none of this is going to happen to me. Ah, sorry, you're wrong. Everybody is born and everybody will die. Now, the issue is where? When, I don't know. Only God knows. Our times are in his 
hands. Now, when you see that, here's something else. Watch when they come back to where their home base was. Look at Acts 14.26. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God. Now, watch these two words, two sentences. To do the work they had now completed. Now, that's huge. Notice, when they came back to the home church that sent them out, notice what they did. They, for that one year, they'd been working, working, working. See, doing God's work is actually work. We think, wow, they had a whole year going to all those places by the water. Uh, there was no hotels. There's no motel sexes even. They'd probably take one. I don't know where they stayed. I don't know where they got their money. I, I mean, their, their homes. I don't know how they got their food. But they didn't complain about it at all. They were there, and they completed the ministry. What was the ministry? Go and make what? Disciples. They completed it in one year. Now, notice something. When the Holy Spirit called them to go, to go out, they started right. They obeyed. And when they came back home one year later, they finished what God called them. So they started right, and they what? Finished right. You remember that teaching? I want to start right, and I want to finish right. So do you. So what do I have to do? I have to put God first. I have to care for people. And I have to use my time wisely as God directs. Do you see how clear that is? That's why these guys are our role model. These aren't a story. This is real life. And that's exactly what they did. Now, let me just stop and ask yourself, are you and I using God's time wisely? You have to stop and say, am, am I doing it? I learned this not long ago. I thought it was good. I can't remember when. It could have been a long time ago. You may want to write this down. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. See, every single day needs to be God first. Because our lives is made up of what? Time, days. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Now, don't get me wrong when I'm talking about this. Like, well, Pastor Mark, I want to have a little fun. I'd like to take a vacation. We like to have our kids. We like to see them. We want to focus on them. Of course. The one that's first is always God. But your spouse can't come before God. I learned this as a pastor. I still have to learn it. This church, in what I do, can't be my first thing. God's first. I have to honor God first. Not my position. Has nothing to do with that. So I'm not saying to you, we don't have other priorities. Of course we do. But it starts with God. One nation under God. Lord, help us to get back to that. That's why we have so much trouble. Think about that. Now, later in life, Paul wrote this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, in that whole missionary journey, it was hard work. All kinds of things happened to them. They had to doctrine, uh, play around, and make sure their time was what God wanted them to do. 
Now, here's verse 27. Look in your Bibles, all of you. Look at verse 27, 14, 27. On arriving there, back at Antioch, they gathered the church together. Just look at me for a moment. They gathered the church together. Now, why would they do that? Well, the early church, what? Together is better. See, we're not doing life alone. We're doing it with God, but we're doing it with God's family. That's why I tell you, all of you who are watching online, good, you're doing life with us together. But there's coming a time when you feel healthy and you feel wise and you can do it. You can come here and it's actually, I'm not saying it's super better, but it is better to be here in the presence of God with all your family. That's what they did. After a year, they wanted to get back to people. I want to get back with people. I want to hug people according to my wife. I want to hug people. So do you. I'd like to even shake a hand, wouldn't you? It's coming, but it's not here. See, together is better because we're worshiping the one true God in unity. What a beautiful picture that is. Now, when you see that, they, the church together, and they reported all God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, Paul and Barnabas, I'm sure, when they got, let's just picture you're the church there at our campuses. And you're there, and you're telling, man, you can't believe all the people that got saved. You guys were so wonderful. God was so good. But notice in this passage what it said. They reported all that God had done. They didn't say, wow, we are great missionaries, baby. Watch us. Let me give you an idea what that was like. No, they were very smart. Do you know why that very often when I say all the people that have come to the Lord, you hear me almost every single time. If not, it's my fault. People coming to Christ is not about me. It's about God. If I start taking credit, you won't find me because God will step me down in a heartbeat. Nobody takes credit for God. Remember? That's pride. And we all have that problem sometimes in all kinds of ways. So I fight it all the time. Not about me. Not about me at all. Now, when they see this, one of the nice things is, you'd, I'm sure they mentioned some of the things that happened to them. Probably somebody mentioned Paul getting stoned. Was he raised from the dead? Did he really die? Or was it just a miracle? But here's what you don't notice. Luke doesn't write any of this. Look at the overhead. Paul and Barnabas didn't waste any time by complaining or grumbling. They talked about the good things God did. Let me ask you, how many of us waste time grumbling and complaining? Anybody here? Could I see? Good. The rest of you, there's going to be a huge altar call at the end. You guys at home, get in your car and come over here to church and get you saved. I'm joking. But see, complaining and griping, what good does that do? It's no better than worrying. It doesn't solve anybody's problem. And you actually hate being around people that are going, don't, don't talk to that guy. You don't even want to be about them. I want about people that build us up. Amen. And so you guys are good at that. So Paul and Barnabas aren't saying there, well, it's a terrible time. It's a horrible thing. But we're back home. Would you like to take the next time trip? No, they're not stupid. They didn't waste their time. They used their time putting who first? Come on. 
God. That's why I use them as an illustration. Now, when you see that, God opened that door all the time. He was in charge. Now, you know this, but I'll say it very quickly. Paul and, and Barnabas knew that God hated pride, and they were humbled to be used by God. Here's a key for me and for all of us. Being prideful is a waste of our valuable time. The world doesn't wrote about, doesn't circle. I'm not the center of the world. I'm not the center of my life. God is the center of my life. Be careful with your pride. Me too. Now, Christ followers, when God opens the door, so Paul was telling all the doors, all the people, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably many, many thousands came to Christ. They basically loved lost people. So when God opens the door for us, we must have the courage to walk through it. That's exactly what happened. Now, let me ask you a question as we go through this. I'm not going to read this whole sentence, but I want you to look at it. Look what, this is a goal of a pastor specifically. Paul writes this. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone, with all the wisdom I have, no, that God has given us. We want to present them to God mature in their relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that God works within me. That verse is all about God, people, and the wise use of our time. See, as we do whatever, it's all about God and his empowering of the Holy Spirit. That energizes us. That empowers us. I know some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, look at this, 2 Peter 1.3, I'll read it. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And here's one that sometimes we struggle with. We have all the time to accomplish everything that God has assigned for each of us to do. Sometimes when I'm really swamped because of all this crazy stuff happening, all the decisions we have to ask God how to do and whatever, sometimes I say, God, man, I'm not sure I can finish this sermon this week. I'm, my mind is like in 40 places. And I just come to this and go, okay, you're right. You assign me to do it, you'll give me the time. And he does. He always does. Even sometimes when it's at 4 in the morning, it doesn't matter. But I like this one. Hudson Taylor, one of the first missionaries from London, England, to China. Look what he says. Let's read it together. Come on. Let's read it together. Everybody, you can see it. God's work done. God's way will never lack God's supply. Hallelujah. That should be at home on your desk. Whatever he calls us to do, he'll equip us to do it. He'll give us the time, the ability, the supplies, whatever it. Now, notice, God's work done God's way can't be my way. That's why I say all the time to you, God, what do you want me to do? That saves a lot of time instead of me. Now, verse 28 says, said they stayed there a long time, probably one to two years, making disciples. So I'm going to just give these very quickly to you. And then I'm going to give the altar call, and then we're going to sing our last song. Pause for a moment. Evaluate your own life this morning on these three priorities. God first. 
Do you, and of course I'm including myself, do you love God and is he first in your life? I can't answer that. You have to answer it. If he's not, then get him back in the right place. Number two, people matter. Do you love all people, believers and unbelievers? The next time you see a neighbor, co-worker, school, just think about it. The best thing you can do is put them on your prayer list, that God would open their heart. And number three, time is valuable. Are you using your time wisely to expand God's kingdom? That's not our kingdom. It's not this church. It's just part of the kingdom. We, we want to use it wisely. Would everybody just bow your head right now? All of our campuses, you guys at home. And I want you to pray for the people that are going to make a decision this morning to either make a recommitment or to come back to God. Many people who are watching me right now, you have thousands of people over this whole weekend praying for you to make the right decision. Many of you believe in God, but you have never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we learned today that God loves all people. He loves all people. And he wants them to become Christ followers. That means you. Yeah, you, who I'm talking to right now. Because you know you're not a Christian. You know you'll not go to heaven because you heard this morning that you can't ever be good enough to go to heaven. Jesus is the only way to go there. And all 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus to provide the only way to get to heaven. Jesus died, and he was resurrected. He took your sins. He took my sins. And I have to know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, while you're here, some of you used to follow Jesus. But as we heard even last week, you got off the road. It's time to make a recommitment as well. You've been using your time, and I don't know how long that is, not for God, because God is not first in your life. You became first. Your agenda. God will forgive you. Now, let me just say this, and just pray, all of you that are Christians, pray. Here's what God's doing right now. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Those of you that have never accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, those of you that have backslidden, He's ready to change your life, forgive all your sins, give you a new start, give you the guarantee of going to heaven. But he will not push the door open. You have to answer the door. And here's the way you do it. I'm going to give you a prayer that says, Jesus, come on in. Direct my life. Change my life today. By the way, the Bible says this. Today is the day of salvation. So if you want your sins forgiven, you want to do life with God, and you want to know that you're going to heaven, I want you simply to do one thing. Pray this prayer with me right now. God, thank you for sending Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your forgiveness. I know you died and rose again. So today, Jesus, come in to my life and change it. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for caring enough for me to give me an opportunity to follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness and your hope. 
Thank you for saving me.